All right, post uh, BWR with the man Michael Marks. We're uh, we're excited to uh, kind of talk with each individual winner of these awards that were handed out, and um, kind of want to hear Michael's point on like what the awards are, what they mean, and you know, kind of the people that we got these awards to, and you know, from there we will go into like their interview with them. So, Michael, let's uh, kind of take us a rundown through each award, and you know what you believe in, you know, they stand for. Yeah. Yeah. So we call them the honorary awards because each year there's, there's two categories of winners that are choosing or sorry, chosen by the writers themselves. So, um, they're typically these awards are related to like the exploits of the day. Like the hard man was the person that drove the front the most and was just on it full gas didn't end up winning because they left most of it out on the road, but like contributed to the race in, in a meaningful ways. Same for the hard woman. Um, you know, basically people that are just giving of themselves, uh, maybe for a teammate, but maybe just because they're just trying to animate the race. And then, um, the kudos award, that one typically was given out for, the rider on the day that exhibited the most amount of spirit and kudos is really the Udo award for Udo Hines, who was our friend, um, a, a local guy that we used to ride with. He loved cross. It's actually German. Uh, he started racing cross as a young man, eventually moved to the U S and lived here in North County. And, uh, we used to train together quite a bit. We had a, a cross course in, in my neighborhood, like literally in the front yard of my brother's house. And we would all go down there every Tuesday night and race that course. And Udo was the guy that always had the most fun. You could hear him giggling. He was, had this infectious, infectious laugh. Um, and was never bummed. Like he always had a positive outlook on everything. And thus, um, you know, we, we, we would, call him kudos instead of Udo. Um, sadly, about four years ago, he was riding with some friends uh, through Camp Pendleton and was run down by a North County Transit District bus driver who was known uh, for his aggressive driving. N not only did he maim uh, Udo's friends, uh, but he killed Udo. And ever since then, we've been doing an annual uh, memorial ride for Udo, but BWR has turned uh, his spirit and his legacy uh, into the Kudos Award. So to me, these two awards are, are the most important reflections of the, the spirit of the Belgian waffle ride, which is being in the moment, being happy, being uh, a giving person in service of others um being positive and um the kudos award and the hard man hard woman awards are both both representative of that spirit that we hope everyone brings to the event so um this year the the winners it wasn't necessarily about what they did on the day although one or two of them it's definitely true that what they did on the day was amazing and noteworthy. But all of these people 
their their exploits transcended the day um they they had more to do with their approach the last year than um than the actual day so i was going to share with you each of the different winners the first hardman award <clears throat> is similar to chris's story it goes to ryan dahl who's actually won the hardman award uh, a few years ago for being in service to others for his his great spirit but this story is just one of the most amazing comeback stories of any of us have ever heard less than a year before the BWR Ryan uh was involved in a terrible bike accident and broke his neck and had to have his C5 C6 C7 T1 and T2 vertebrae fused together uh it's the kind of injury that leaves a lot of people in a wheelchair and forever changed uh but not Ryan so Ryan came back and did amazing things to get there and then did even more amazing things on race day. One of the recent winners of the hard man, uh, Ryan Dahl. Ryan, how are we doing today? Good, John. Yeah, stoked to be on the show. Thanks for having me. Oh, no way, of course. You know, I mean, you have a pretty amazing story coming into the, the BWR, and you know, you had a, a great ride in it. Um, you know, so, I mean, we, we, we put it out there on social, of course, with, you know, what happened to you and, you know, your kind of journey, but maybe like, you know, to those that, don't know or maybe we can get a little more in depth like let's let's kind of go back a little bit and uh what kind of happened to you like let's talk about this injury and like kind of how it led to the bwr yeah um first off i'm i was completely shocked and surprised to to get the hard man and just you know besides myself i was actually lost for words it was a funny story as um i was in norcal on this incredible mountain bike ride and i got the new garmin and um it's just like, it's right out of a movie, right? Like you're on this beautiful trail in a redwood forest. I looked in on my Garmin and, and it was my buddy, Brent Prenslow. He's like, hard man, congratulations. And I, I had to stop and I pause. I'm like, wait, no, I don't think, I don't think that means what I think it means. And then I pulled over and checked my emails and like saw the, the announcement and it was like surreal, right? Like if you, if you know my story and where I was June, 2018 to where I am now, you wouldn't believe it. It's like, it's, it's just incredible. So, um, so backing up a year, uh, it was a week before my birthday in June, I went on the Swami's ride and it was, it was this fun kind of, um, banter we were having, we being some of the Southern California cyclists and, uh, we're, we're having with some of these guys from Orange County and the Orange County guys are going to come down and, you know, teach us guys how to ride. Is this, you know, it, it was going to be a, a spicy Swami's ride. And we headed out and just, you know, I was kind of hanging out the back, just minding my own business, just relaxing and chatting. And, um, out of the blue, I saw the, the group start to swell. And I guess what happened was somebody lost a bottle and it went into their wheel and it, it caused this kind of swelling of the group. And before I knew it, um, people were crashing and I was, yeah, still, I was just kind of like nonchalantly like, well, I'm just going to skirt the outside of it. And at the last second, um, I didn't even touch my brakes. I think we were going over 30, like 32 and a bike just shot out. And then like it immediately sheared my forks off. And then I just headbutted the ground. Yeah. I just, what? you know, and 
What, what part did, of the ride I mean, was that first one on the course? On La, know. It, it was on Lacoste Avenue, which is, you know, it, it's not even, it's just getting started. Okay. Um, yeah. Nothing going, and you're so, rolling through there though. Pretty good. Yeah. You just, you come down a grade and and you're going 32. And then I think a couple of people, you know, kind of went for, for some flyers and, you know, if anyone who, anyone who doesn't know the Swami's ride, it's, it's a legit ride. Like there's a lot of talent that shows up and it's a hard ride. Um, but yeah, so that definitely said, one, it's one of the faster ones. Yeah. So, I mean, before I knew it, I was, I was on the ground and I was sliding and sliding and sliding. And then I immediately, I knew like, Oh, I just, I think I just broke my back. Like, I, like, like there's just a weird sensation that happens. And, um, so I, I rolled over, crawled on all fours to the median, laid down my back. And then, um, I reached up to take off my sunglasses and my right arm just like went limp and like slapped myself in the face. And then that was kind of oh. when I knew. I knew something wasn't right. And so, yeah, that was kind of the beginning of the journey. And, um, was it like super painful or was it more like in shock? No, like, yeah, I was more in shock. I, I think I was anticipating, uh, what that meant, you know, like the significance of a spinal injury. And you hear all these horror stories about chronic pain. And like, that was always something I really prided myself, or took pride in. It was that I never had a bad back. I never hurt my back. And, you know, I, I don't want to mess with that with that part of my body because it's a sensitive area and there's a lot tied to it. And so as soon as that happened, I just kind of had this wave like, Oh shit, like, here we go. <laughs> and so, uh, so yeah, I get an MRI and they, they tell me that, that my, my C5, C6, um, C6 is completely gone. It's just destroyed. C7 is broken. Um, all the way down to my teeth, my thoracic spine. So I had to get five levels fused. Um, and if you look at an x-ray, it just looks like, looks like a robot, you know, which is disgusting. Like I hate, I hate knowing that that's inside my body, but on the flip side, the surgeon did an incredible job and I had zero pain and, um, I actually left the hospital on day four taking Tylenol and was like, you know, basically on the road recovery from day four on. And, this is something that you, um, I was really lucky to even be able to, you know, walk, walk after. Like I was. Yeah, that's what I was curious. Like not getting like too personal, but like was that ever uh, like an issue or like the the you know lost feeling or was there any type of you know paralysis? Paralysis? However you say that. Like was yeah, that ever an yeah. issue? Uh, there. It, so what happened was I did lose um, my right arm. I, I did lose control of my right arm, but that was because of a bone shard that had actually penetrated my spinal cord. So the surgeon had um, removed that, that shard and then that sensation started to come back. So, um, it, but it, you know, you know, the story it's, it, it was like a couple millimeters away from, you know, having no use of anything below my, my C5, which is, which would be, you know, a totally different story. So I, I got really lucky. I got super lucky. And from that point forward is just, you know, on, on the path to, <laughs> you know, just like, like everyone says, you, you self-discovery, you really start to like, you, you're in a, you're in a dark place. And so you have to really dig deep and, um, you can either digress and kind of go into the self-pity mode or, or try to find the silver lining in this whole thing and, um, and start to grow from it. And so I think that was really the significant, the most significant thing in my life is that it was just this massive catalyst to start growing, you know, on a personal level. And so, so, yeah, I mean, that, that was, that was, you know, that was a year 
not quite. It was maybe ten months before a Belgian waffle ride. Uh, that's, yeah, so I was getting. I was wondering like the timeline on that. So what? Kind of like summarize it. Like you leave four days after in the hospital. What does uh like? What's your recovery look like as far as from you know just doing your basic stuff to being able to get back on the bike to being able to start training again to being able to back to your normal like regimen of like riding. Yeah. So you're. Uh, since they went in and repaired everything with hardware, um, that injury was secure, like stable. So I didn't have to wear a halo, but I had to, I had to, I was in a neck brace and I had to be in a neck brace for, I think six weeks was, was how long that took. Um, and the whole point was, is that I needed to wait for these bone grafts to start taking, you know, um, to kind of tighten up all the hardware together. But the, the pain levels, like I said, it, it was manageable. Like I could find the spot to lay down and like make it go away. And I didn't have to take any medication, which is really important to me. And yeah. I think the hardest part was just, I lost the ability to ride my bike. And that's kind of like, there's always been as a cyclist, it's a pretty, it's, you know, it's a pretty big, uh, coping mechanism for stress and just keeping you level. And, you know, you kind of need those endorphins to feel normal and to, to run into like this major injury and, and then also to have to not, you know, to take away my main coping strategy was really hard. And so it was just a lot of uh, walking. <laughs> I, did a, I did a lot of walking and um, yeah, after, after a few months I was able to give it on the trainer and then um, just got on his Zwift and just spent, you know, hours and hours and hours on the trainer. And I remember the first day I got back on the bike and, I wasn't really supposed to be on the bike outside. You know, I think the surgeon said, like, if you fall right now, like, you will die. <laughs> so Yeah, yeah but, it's pretty serious. Yeah, yeah. It was, so, you know, I, I understood the risk, and I limited my risk, and I went, you know, went on safe roads. I rode by myself. I rode on a full suspension mountain bike, so there wasn't any, like, jarring. And I just started riding. It was, like, the best, the best feeling ever, just to feel like, okay, things still work. My legs still move, you know, like, my neck. Is definitely stiffer. It doesn't have the range, but it was, it was the first step on that road to recovery. And it was, I think the risk, um, the ment, the health, the, 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 uh, reward to my mental health was worth the risk at that phase, you know? And so, and then as soon as I got on the bike and started riding outside, it was just like game on. Like I was, you know, kind of, kind of how we do it and just kind of thousand percent all in. So did you like, I mean, did you think about like, I mean, that's I mean, like 10 months is not long at all for like a serious injury like that. Did you, when did you start thinking about like, Hey, like, you know, maybe I want to do, you know, BOBR this year, or maybe like, was that like or a shoot for maybe like a goal or like, like when did right. that start kind of coming into play instead of like, you know, I'm going out for an hour ride. It's like, all right, let's actually see if I can do this now. Yeah, we, well, um, my friend Jay Cornes was doing some social and, and photography work for, um, or when bike brand and he uh, he was like, hey, you know, I, you have a really good story, and would you be open to to doing BWR, you know? And he was gonna he was gonna pitch it with Giant and see if they would want to, you know, do a little short film on somebody coming back from a major injury on their new gravel bike. And I was like, at first, I was like, no, nah, like that's that's not my that's my not really my thing. And then it took me maybe an hour and I was like, you know what? Yeah. Like I'm, I think that might actually be kind of fun. It might be a good excuse. It might be a good challenge, you know, just to test myself. 
And I've always had this, you know, the Belgian waffle ride's always been a big part of my cycling um, life. You know, I've I've been involved with Michael from the beginning of it, and so it's it's always been uh, one of the big events, you know, that I that I enjoy. And so um, when Jake kind of proposed that, I was like, yeah, and I I logged on and signed up, and that was it. And then, um, the, unfortunately the video never came to fruition, but I, <laughs> I had committed already to, to doing the event. And so, um, so how long, yeah, started... how long was that about to, to the event date when you were like, okay, I want to do it now. I think I was, I was probably six months out before okay. Belgian waffle ride. Yeah. So it was enough time to train, but, um, the issue I was having was that I had so many vertebrae that, um, had been fused together that when I had would ride my road bike um the vibration that would come through the road bike would go straight at my spine and then you know it would it would go right through that fusion and like the energy was going straight into my head so like my eyeballs on some of these rough roads were like bouncing around i couldn't even i couldn't even see so i'd kind of okay. play with tire with tire size and tire pressures and just you know try to like adjust for that factor um and but yeah i was like for a while, I'm like, oh man, like this maybe was a bad idea. Like I, it's like I'm riding on these roads out to Palomar Mountain or paved roads, and I can't even see the, you know, I can't even see in front of me. Yeah, BWR is not exactly the smoothest ride in town. Yeah, right, right. So I, so I started doing events though, but they were all mountain bike events, and mm -hmm. um, believe it or not, it's it's more forgiving on full suspension mountain bike off road than on a road bike on the road. So that was kind of. That was kind of like I started doing these hopper events, which I kind of like a really challenging mountain bike races up up in North, Northern California, and that kind of started okay. building the base. Yeah, yeah, I started building building the base and um, kind of bring me back up to speed as far as these you know five six hour days on the bike. And um, uh, I still I I knew what it take to train for BWR, and I just wasn't able to put in the time like my my body wasn't quite ready for that yet and so yeah, how, long, didn't, how long did it take for you to start really feeling like i'm back kind of it was it wasn't until like you know 10 10 months that the rain started coming back in my neck it's still limited but you know i could actually wasn't looking through my eyebrows when i when i looked up the road i could actually lift my head up far enough um and just you know there wasn't a whole lot of um spinal pain but when they do that procedure, the the trauma to all the surrounding muscle is actually what's the major issue. So, like your, you know, your traps and um, it's mainly the surrounding muscles that are kind of um, struggling to keep up with what you're asking of them. So it was yeah, it was, it was a little bit of a process to get everything conditioned. And um, one of our local uh, mountain bike mountain bikers is also a physical therapist, Eric Wilson. And he, he was, he was amazing because he understood what I wanted, where I wanted to be, but he also had the, the PT background. And so he gave me all these exercises to, to strengthen my neck and get all the supporting muscles up to speed so I can actually start cycling again. Oh. But yeah, it was, it was, it was a, you know, 10 months before I was really feeling like, um, maybe, maybe I'll actually be able to do BWR.
yeah, I mean, that's, that's like not much time at all, really. I mean, from broken <laughs> back and less than 10 months. And I mean, BWR is definitely no picnic ride. And yeah, why not? Just jump on in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I know. I, know. Not the, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, yeah. So the whole thing kind of brought on this, this mentality where it's like, you know, don't life is temporary, right? Like you have this whole different perspective on life. And so it was it, one of the big takeaways was like, if something kind of makes you uncomfortable, then roll with it because it's better to make life interesting, you know, and, and, and actually challenging versus just always trying to take the easy routes and make it comfortable. So that was, that was a big driver too, is why, why I um, elected to sign up for BWR. Um, no, that's, I mean, but, that's a good way to live right there. It's solid advice. Um, yeah. So switching gears a little bit, I wanted to kind of chat, kind of get your two cents on the actual event. Um, how many, how many years have you done BWR now? I think I've done five, four or five of them. I can't, I can't quite remember, but yeah, it was okay. Yeah. Four or five of them. You had a pretty wealth of knowledge on it. Like what in your mind, you know, you're, you know, you're a local dude, but like you've, you know, done your fair share of racing and rides and events. Um, like what, what in, in, you know, your mind makes the Belgian waffle ride like so different or, you know, this special style event, you know, from the years that it's, you know, where you, you can and just, you, I mean, no offense to anyone, but you can't fake it. You have to, you have to have a, the ability to handle your bike. You have to have the ability to read the terrain. You know, you have to know if that dirt, you know, where the, where the pack line is, where the soft lines are, where to, where to avoid, you know, you have to have a local understanding of the weather, um, the terrain, you have to respect Michael's course because it's, <laughs> it's designed to break you down. It's designed to wear you down. And so, yeah, there's just, it's kind of a, a you know, an overall roller, a, a, an overall rider that's going to do well there. So it, it's, it's rad because, um, you know, it, it really takes this, this special human that has all these, um, different disciplines dialed and is, who's, who's an all arounder to do well there. So yeah, that's, that's always kind of been the allure. It's like, it's like the guy that does well at BWR is, is a legitimate badass. Like there's no doubt. Right. Like that oh, guy's, yeah. You, yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and like a lot of it's, you know, tire management too. Like, so they have to be able to think and they have to be able to really understand their bike and be able to fix their bikes. And so it's just this, this superior cyclist who, who has everything, right? Like that's the person who survives BWR. It's, it's, there's no luck involved. It's like the guys that win, they know how to pick the line. They know how to read the train. They run the fast tires and they know how to preserve them, you know, and like that guy, um, it's not by chance. There's, there's no coincidence that these guys, um, can finish the race without a flat, you know, like that's years and years of experience. You know, a lot of these guys come from mountain bike and cyclocross and they understand the the importance of a low psi but they also understand like what's going to damage the tire and rim and so it's just this really cool combination of all these different disciplines that have to come together have to come together and create this you know unique cyclist who also has to have the horsepower to win the thing so that's the allure it's just this you know it's just ultra um, difficult uh, race that has so many facets that you have to be good at all of them. So let's, let's say you ran into someone out of town, you know, out of state and, you know, 
you know, you're hanging out riding with this person and you guys start talking about Belgian waffle ride and, you know, they, they kind of come to you and they go, you know, Hey, like, is it really hard? Like, you know, I see the stuff they post and it seems fun, but like, is it like, is it like actually like a hard event or like kind of what's the story? Like as far as like the level of hardness, like how, how would you kind of explain it to that person? Well, I mean, I think in the nature of the BWR, you don't tell them anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's like, yeah, it's fine. You just lead them, lead them, lead them to their death, you know. But <laughs> um, great. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's kind of in the spirit of BWR. You just you you keep your your cards close. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, if, I mean, if it's it's not your weekend warrior. It's 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 unfortunately you can't um, you can't sanitize every event. This thing is just this thing's brutal and there's no way around it. It's like, you have to be conditioned. You have to be on the top of your game. You have to be an elite cyclist or close to it. Um, just to finish the thing, you know, and, and it takes serious commitment. It takes a lot of planning. Um, and yeah, there's just no way around it. It's like, it's, it is one of the hardest events out there. And, um, yeah, anyone who, who's up to it has to take it seriously. You can't just roll up to the thing and think it's, another one of these fondos or fundos and then pay your pay your entry fee and get your prize at the end this is a completely different beast yeah i think that's definitely a good way to kind of wrap it as far as like it's not just because there are some of those fondos and you century rides that fall in that category of like oh you got your number and you kind of do the ride have fun and get your meal at the end like there's yeah, a lot more that kind of goes into yeah um yeah michael uh, has what, what? michael has actually like legitimately designed this course to like bring people very close to death <laughs> yeah and he makes yeah. sure he lets you know too like there's yeah, no surprise yeah. i'm like oh this is actually hard like like yeah we told right. you right yeah um <laughs> so how did uh how was your setup like tires bike like what'd you end up going with this year yeah you know i, I was really enjoying running irc's and then i just didn't have enough volume so i ran with um some 32 uh, c tubeless road tires mm-hmm. and uh just because they had the volume to drop the pressure down i was running like 44 psi in the front and the backs and so um, did you have any tread on it or was it like a smooth tire? no it, it was a smooth tire yeah okay so i mean i think i think the tread thing for me personally um i'm willing to give up a bit of safety on on the dirt for for rolling resistance on the pave and so um that that was kind of the solution it was a light tire that had a lot of volume and I could run low PSI. So it rolled fast because the casing was supple. Um, but the tread didn't prove any, provide any more, uh, drag or rolling resistance because, you know, like there's still like the, I don't know, 80%, 90% of the ride is on pave. So you have to be able to roll fast, you know, and that's like in that kind of, and at 140 miles, you have to have an efficient setup. And if you, you know, if you want to, try to hang in the towards the you know towards the upper 20 percent so so what um, did, did you yeah. run a a road bike or more of a gravel side to fit those 32s in there or would you end up yeah i mean i i uh, had a i ran a factor um and it was with the cap the caliper brakes and there was enough clearance so yeah like it it, it was tight but um it was a full road setup i mean i think my bike was oh, nice. yeah it's it 15 pounds you know, and huh. with, yeah, so it's, it was a fast, um, setup and that's not for everyone. Like not to brag, but I've done a lot of cyclocross. So I understand the importance of like line choice and, and how to, um, 
ride to protect your tires. And so, you know, I, I, a lot of sections I had to slow down because of that setup, but it was worth it like in the long run, in the long run for me. So that was so, kind of my, my magical setup. So like, you know, obviously you have a background, you know, like you said the cross, you've done mountain biking, but like, you know, did you go out and do some testing with like, you know, it sounds pretty specific, like you had 44, you know, PSI in there. Like, did you <laughs> try this stuff out or like, what kind of, yeah, like, for you, sure. how did yeah. you get that, you know, choice? Yeah. I, that's something I always kind of strive or enjoy is, um, you know, if you, I don't know if you look at any geek cycling geek uh, in their closet there, it's full of tires. And so I'm always trying different setups and different pressures. And, you know, I think for me, the final, the final factor was I did, uh, I did one of the final recon rides and went out and during the ride, I kept dropping PSIs until I felt the the rim bottom out, you know, and, um, that was kind of new when I knew that the the pressure was right because it was, it was plush enough to roll over all the, the smaller rough stuff. And, you know, I'd have to really be smacking something or not paying attention to hit the bottom of the thing out. So it was the final Belgian waffle recon ride is where I, I kind of dialed in my, my setup. And that was also when, that was also when I realized like my neck actually felt good. And it just is a reminder that, like why I fell in love with the Belgian waffle ride. It's just the taking the road bike in the dirt and going fast is just, it's a, it's a unique sensation that it's hard to match. You know, the gravel bike doesn't give you that sensation. The mountain bike doesn't give it to you. It's just something about taking a road bike set up properly on the rough, you know, roads around here. It's just, uh, it's, it's pretty great. No, I like that. That's a good little tip for everyone. I haven't really heard that just, you know, as far as just people going out and just kind of just throughout their ride, just letting more and more air pressure down until they kind of feel that, that feel or if they feel that, that. Yeah. That roadies, um, roadies love high PSIs. And it's like, it's, you know, yeah, yeah. The cycle, on the, on the cyclocross side, it's a complete opposite. The lower the PSI, the faster you go. So yeah, I mean, if I had any advice, I would say just experiment with low pressure. Um, you'd be surprised, you know, Obviously, if you have tubes, you have to consider pinching, pinch flatting. But if you're running tubeless, you know, uh, just and and the tires are good quality, and there's a high thread count, and they're supple. Run, yeah, run that pressure low. It's like they they there's no penalty. It's like the only penalty is like if you're smacking stuff and hitting the rim, then yeah, the pressure might be too low. But if you have the ability to pick a good line, and you're going to be riding over rough terrain, yeah, drop the pressures way down, and you'll be you'll be amazed at how much better your body feels, how much better the bike handles and how much, um, how much more efficient it is over the rough stuff. You know, that sensation, I think people get, get confused because the sensation of vibration coming through the tires feels fast, but uh, it's not, you know, I think everyone's proven that that feeling of the tires bouncing up and down is actually parasitic and slows you down. So, yeah. Oh, good point. Point right there. Um, so like through like just kind of touch on because obviously this we go down this rabbit hole all day but right. give us uh, kind of a few key points like of your of your actual ride your day maybe like some of the highs and lows because I'm not never just perfect out during the BWR yeah. like you know for yourself yeah I mean I was first off I you know I don't want to crash I'm I'm more susceptible to being a, par- a paraplegic if I do crash because of my spinal fusion. So I need to, I need to limit my risk. And so, you know, 
I, I really needed to stay at the front end of the pointy end towards the start. The start of BWR goes down Del Dios, which is a really high speed descent. And I think, you know, the speed's always crest at 50 miles an hour. And so I did, I got to the front and went down Del Dios and it was just horrifying. Like I was, I just felt like a passenger um, on a runaway train because I knew what was at stake and I would, I didn't feel confident in the Peloton. Like it, there was people taking risk. And so it was, it was just really sketchy, but I stayed towards the front. There's a 180 turn before the first dirt sector. And I made a mistake and I, I chose the outside line and went from like <laughs> top, top 20, to, I think to hundredth, you know, like within two seconds, I was like, I went from, yeah. it was just like gone. Yeah. And so, which was actually maybe a blessing in disguise because, you know, historically I'll get to the front and I'll go too hard at the start. And, um, so I, you know, I think I, I was literally like a hundredth going into the first dirt sector and just kind of picked my way through it and actually started feeling pretty good. And like I had good legs and got into a solid group with Brent Prenslow and, you know, a, a, a bunch of the career guys career guys and um we started making some good ground and it wasn't really until i think mile 100 that this weird thing happens in belgium at bwr where if you if you're on then you start to ride better at mile 100 than you did at the start and um that kind of it's the it's the you know, the second wind or whatever you want to call it so once yeah, we hit the one starts dying out there too. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I, I mean, that was, real quick. <laughs> so I, I look up and like, oh, there's Phil Guyman. Oh, there's Rashawn Bahati. There's, you know, Justin Owen. Like, oh, like these are like my idols. And all of a sudden there's going back. Like this blue, right? Like everyone just yeah. like they were in the front group. They dug too deep. They had mechanic, whatever. They like the, the attrition rates incredible. So before you know it, it's like you're moving up and you're, you actually, um, yeah, it's like, we, and then that's kind of helps the morale too, right? Like as soon as you start, oh, you know, totally. start at the start at the back, and you're passing people all day long. It, it, like I, I think it's way better than starting at the front and getting passed by people all day long. So yeah, the morale was high, and um, so yeah, I was really at mile 100 to the finish is where I think I did the most. I made I made up the the most the most ground, and um, yeah, I just felt really like really. Um, there's like this weird combination of uh magic legs and then feeling really proud of where i came from and just having fun you know so i didn't yeah how was yeah, that like you know you're finishing on a high as far as like i like, got a good no like you know there's no better feeling than actually like doing it right and like not bonking or like you know finishing off strong and but like so you're you're doing that but then also i'm sure you're thinking about like just what you've gone through the last 10 months yeah so you know quite the feeling I, I mean, it's, it's emotional for sure. It's like, there's, you don't, that's the, that's the weird thing is like, you think you've dealt with all these emotions and then you have, you have kind of a breakthrough, um, during an event and then it just hits you like it just floods you. And then, yeah, it's, it's pretty heavy. You know, it's, it's, it's just, uh, the best way I can describe it is like this overall uh, appreciation for life. You know, you just, you just really, um, really grateful for everything that's kind of seems to have fallen into my lap, you know, like, like in retrospect, when you think about how close I was to being in, um, unable to use my extremities to having a magical day at the Belgian waffle ride, it's just, it's hard to put into words. It's just kind of, 
um, yeah, kind of leaves you, leaves you speechless, speechless. So, yeah. No, that's amazing. Especially like, you know, what you've gone through with your journey, like before, um, you know, before wrapping this up, like, you know, obviously the date's already out for next year and, you know, you've done this now a handful of times. Like what, a like, what would you say, you know, give us maybe a couple tips to, you know, maybe someone that's saw the BWR and they're like, Oh man, okay. I really want to do that now next year. Or like, Oh, I'm really nervous. I don't know if I can, or like, you know, what, what can you kind of help that person out? You know, that that's kind of on the fence. Maybe you want to do this for 2020. Yeah. I mean, you got to put in the work if there's no way around it. And you don't, I don't think you need to start three months out, but you know, a couple of months out, you, you need to start. You, personally, you need to, I feel you need to have at least three or four hundred to 120 milers under your belt before BWR. And every time you do one, the first one, you're just completely destroyed. The second one's 50% better than the first one. The third one's, you know, it's just, it's amazing how much um, more conditioned your body gets with those kind of longer, hard training rides. So I wouldn't be, you know, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to candy coat it. It's not for everyone. I think you have to really have grit and you have to have, um, the ability to ride in the dirt and the ability to ride a road bike in the dirt and the ability to pick lines. And then on top of it, you have to have the work ethic to prepare for it. Cause you can't just, you can't just sign up for the, for the Belgian waffle ride and show up. You have to really dedicate a solid chunk of your life to preparing for it. Yeah. Like you said, there's no faking it. And that's kind of like that, like that line right there. Yeah. No faking, no faking it at the Belgian waffle ride. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, hey, man, like, dude, like, the story's amazing. I mean, it's easy, easy to, you know, say you're definitely the hard man of the BWR. Uh, any, any little closing, closing tips or, I mean, you know, closing words you want to leave everyone with before signing off? Yeah. I mean, just keep digging. You know, life, life's about the journey. It's not about the destination. And just really, uh, try to make it interesting because nobody wants at the end, at the end of the day, comfortable consistent life is boring yeah, and you just, you just need to make it memorable and make it count so take those uncomfortable routes when you can i like it all right ryan well hey much appreciated for jumping on the phone having a chat and uh you know i'm sure, uh, I'm sure i'll see you soon we'll get on the on the ride and get some more chatting in cool john thanks for having me i really appreciate it hey no worries congrats again on everything now it's amazing what you did thanks dude all right, well that's uh that's a wrap from uh from our winners from this year's BWR and uh you know once again just you know great stories each one each individual one of them you know really really stoked to see that they got that Michael this is kind of like the first you really uh we've gotten you on you know since post BWR obviously we've kind of like gotten to rest and reset I already know you're working on 2020 big plans uh do you have any do you have any closing Closing words you want to kind of add in before, you know, I mean, we'll get back on here later on, but, you know, it's kind of first you've, uh, you know, kind of put your voice out there for, for BWR being finished for 2019. Let's, let's hear it. What do you got to say? <laughs> well, I'm just grateful to all of our teammates that uh, pulled off the event this year. Um, our friends at Canyon and all the sponsors uh, that helped us generate a hundred percent growth over last year. Most importantly, I I'm just want to express my gratitude to all the people that come to the event, the volunteers and the racers who make it so unique. Um, that's why these awards too are so important because they're 
it's definitely a hallmark of the event and something different than any other event. We actually celebrate these awards that are given by the riders to people that are exhibiting the spirit that we love, whether it's on the race day or in life. And these are the things that we want to celebrate through our event, through the prism of the Belgian waffle ride. And it's my hope that the awards that are the most important in the years to come aren't the the actual winners uh, that finished first, second, but the the honorary awards that that transcend the act of winning a race and uh, and, and magnify the glories of being a wonderful human. These are the things that we're going to celebrate even more in the future. So I'm just grateful for the hard men, the hard women, the kudos awards, the wonderful people that make this event so unique. It makes it really exciting to think that next year we're going to have not one, not two, but at least three of these things and possibly even a fourth event. Um, the growth is just phenomenal and the support that we're getting is you know, it's really humbling. So thanks. Yeah, I think that was a great little teaser right there to kind of put out there what what uh, what are in the plans and the works for 2020. And uh, you know, I think uh, you know, we'll keep this going, keep the content rolling for BWR side. So we'll keep everyone plugged up or you know plugged in throughout the year. But you know, once again, thanks again, Michael, for getting on this. You know, I think everyone's happy with how the event went, another success, and uh, yeah, we'll keep it rolling. See what the future has on hold for BWR. Cool. Thanks. Thanks for doing all this stuff, Horny.